Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now, your host, James Swanson. What a game. I mean, what more can be said? The Chiefs and the Rams put on an L.A.-sized bow, put an L.A.-sized bow on Week 11 with a sensational game for the ages last night. On Monday Night Football, hi everyone, I'm James Swanson. This is Pad the Stats, your fantasy football podcast home. I mean, wow, what what more can be said about last night, what unfolded in Los Angeles at the Coliseum between the Chiefs and the Rams? Back and forth, offensive fireworks, strip sacks, defensive touchdowns, interceptions, so on and so forth, and the Rams finally prevail 54-51. You know, it's I was just listening to NBC Sports' uh, PFT Live with Mike Florio on the way home, and he said, you know, whoever says this is a game where, you know, oh, boo-hoo, there wasn't any defense. No, there, there was a plenty of defense. Aaron Donald took over that game at times last night with two strip sacks. The Chiefs scored a defensive touchdown. The Rams scored two. I mean, there were plays all over the field, up and down, from the offenses, from the defenses. So that was just awesome. From a football fan just kind of laying it, out, laying it all out there and just, you know, trying to describe what I saw last night. I just did not want that game to end. It was one of those games where I didn't care if it was 12 o'clock or 4 a.m. I didn't want to go to bed. I didn't want to think about work today. I didn't want to do anything but watch the Chiefs and the Rams play that football game. That was one of the best football games, if not the best professional football game I've ever seen in my entire life, especially a regular season game. I mean, wow. If that is a preview of the Super Bowl this year, we are in for a treat. And there's plenty of other great teams from around the league that can, you know, really put up some points and really, um, you know, give us a spectacle to behold, you know, when February rolls around. But that game, uh, those two teams, that matchup was really something to take in. Um, so I know that this is a fantasy football show, but of course, I just had to talk about last night's game a little bit and just give it its due, because that was incredible. It really, really was. And um, on today's show, we're going to discuss the fantasy implications from last night's game, and then I'm going to hand out my winners and losers from Week 11. So here we go. And before we do get into the, the, the game from last night, I do have a couple quick notes that came up late this afternoon when I was putting together my show notes. O.J. Howard has been placed on IR, so if you're somebody out there that is in need of a tight end, if... Uh, you have Jimmy Graham and you're a little bit worried about that thumb injury if you lost O.J. Howard for the year. Um, if you've just been scrambling at the tight end position and cannot seem to find any um, you know, any consistency in terms of scoring, look for Cameron Brait on the waiver wire if he is out there. I would assume he is in most leagues. Um, he, is an, he is a viable option right now, and let's not forget that Jameis Winston is back in the lineup as the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which bodes well for Cameron Brait. Those two over the past uh, couple of years, have had a good, you know, rapport together. Um, so this is a, a, a huge boost for Cameron Bright. Kind of a bummer for O.J. Howard because he had been having a nice year up to this point. Some other news from around the league. Mitchell Drabisky looks like uh, that shoulder injury could keep him out on Thanksgiving Day at Detroit. So uh, keep an eye out on your Chicago playmakers, on Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, if you are desperate for a flex, um, Tariq Cohen, I think is somebody that that can still really benefit uh, regardless of of kind of who's playing at quarterback and and the game flow. Um, 
Jordan Howard is somebody that that could benefit a little bit from this if the, if the Bears choose to run the ball a little bit more. So keep an eye out if Trubisky plays if he doesn't play, um, you know, on the the rest of the Chicago offense. And Ryan Tannehill is expected to return as the Dolphins starter this week versus the Colts. Marvin Jones is expected to miss Thursday's game after not practicing again Tuesday. So again, Kenny Galladay should get a nice target share. He had a good game last week. And yeah, that that should be a good situation for him. I think even with Marvin Jones in the starting lineup, you're confident starting Kenny Galladay is a wide receiver to a high-end wide receiver to the rest of the season. This probably only helps things a little bit. So now here we go. Chiefs 51, Rams 54. And first and foremost, let's put the starting quarterback matchup in the spotlight. Patrick Mahomes versus Jared Goff. And look, I think both of these quarterbacks had really nice games. You're going to look at the turnover numbers from Mahomes and think, uh, maybe it wasn't so great. He turned the ball over five times, three interceptions, two forced fumbles. Those two I mentioned, um, courtesy of Aaron Donald, the strip sacks. 33 of 46, 478 yards, and six touchdowns from Patrick Mahomes. So at the end of the day, from a fantasy perspective, 48 fantasy points. You can't be mad about that one bit. Goff was just shy with 45 fantasy points, 31 of 49, 413 yards, four touchdowns. So just a sensational, sensational effort, efforts, I should say, from both quarterbacks in this game. And it's ever it was just everything that we had hoped for um, starting at the quarterback position. And, uh, you know, it's quite fitting now that Patrick Mahomes is the first-ranked quarterback in fantasy and Goff is number two, 299.7 points, almost 300 points for Patrick Mahomes in six-point per passing touchdown leagues. Goff is number two at 250.5. So Mahomes does have a significant lead still on that number two quarterback. He's just been so, so good all year. It's it's hard to find when you look at the game log any time where he's just had a down week. Um, so those two guys, again, are going to be quarterback ones moving forward. Look, if you're looking at the schedules, they aren't fantastic. I know that the Chiefs go to Oakland, which is really, really nice. Then they get Baltimore at home, Chargers at home in what should be a difficult division matchup, and then they go to Seattle. So it isn't spectacular, but the way this offense is clicking right now, you can't get away from Mahomes. You're going to start him regardless. And then for the Rams, they go to Detroit, then to Chicago, Philadelphia at Arizona. So if we're looking at Week 14, that first round of the playoffs at Chicago, not a great matchup. Not a great matchup for Todd Gurley. Not a great matchup, but it's a it's a better matchup for the Rams passing attack. Um, the Bears have a knack for allowing at least two two uh, passing touchdowns, excuse me, in quite a few games. So this isn't a terrible spot, even though the Bears' defense seems to be clicking even more heading down the stretch. They look like they're primed for a playoff run. Um, but it's not great. It's not great. There's going to be, we'll take a look at this closer once that date gets, uh, once week 14 gets closer here, but I think you're going to be able to find some better matchups than Jared Goff at Chicago. And then, uh, look, the second takeaway from this game is where did Todd Gurley go? And now it came out today that Sean McFay had said Gurley rolled his ankle and they kept him limited, you know, much of that game last night. And look, the Rams had a game plan, it looked like, going in that they wanted to utilize the play-action game, the bootleg game, that, that they do so well. And it's this stretch-run game that, that you see in Seattle a lot with Russell Wilson where you, you know, it's stretch-run left, it's stretch-run right, and then you play action off of it, and they do it so well. 
and they took advantage of Kansas City's leaky secondary, and they were able to get some crossing routes. They were able to move guys, get get good uh, matchups, you know, in the slot, even on the outside. Sean McVay does an excellent job of that. It is remarkable how well he does with his game planning, with his uh, his ability to get his receivers, his playmakers, in some advantageous matchups against linebackers in the slot, against guys that they know they can win one-on-one battles with. So they do a good job of that. So that was a lot of the game plan last night. I think it had something to do with Todd Gurley, obviously, with the ankle, but I think it also had something to do with their game plan in general. And, uh, I mean, hey, you can't argue it. It, it obviously worked. Um But back to Gurley, 12 carries, that was a season low, 55 yards, three targets, also a season low, three catches, 39 yards, 13 fantasy points in PPR, so it's kind of wild, they score 54 points, and you only get 13 fantasy points in PPR from Todd Gurley. At one point last night, I was down 19 points in in a PPR league, actually a half point PPR, excuse me, and I had Gurley and Greg Sirline, and it came down to the second half, and I'm like, am I going to get there? I... I genuinely was not sure at one point if I was going to get there the way Todd Gurley was going. They had that drive where I think he had two catches for about 35 yards um, back-to-back plays that they uh, goff threw it to him in the left flat. I think one was a screen, one was just a uh, a pass in the left flat to Gurley where he picked up about, you know, another 15 yards or so. Um, So uh, he, he did a little bit of damage there in the passing game, but overall... Yeah, not what we're expecting from Todd Gurley, especially in a game this high scoring against a not against not a very good Chiefs defense. Um, but look, again, nothing to worry about here, right? About Todd Gurley moving forward. Again, if you were looking at the schedule though, at Detroit, very very nice. At Chicago, that's the big one to circle. If there's going to be a game where Todd Gurley really struggles, it's going to be that game at Chicago. Uh, I think they're going to have to get him going in the passing game. I think that could be a very tough. Uh, you know, tough matchup for him running in between the tackles. Um, but he's so talented. That offense is so good that obviously you're going to start him. I mean, without questions, first round of the playoffs too. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that, you know, excuse me, is some tough sledding for Gurley and the Rams running game. And then two, or then they get Philly at home and then at Arizona. Um, so the rest of it, I think, shapes up pretty nice because I think Philly's defense is kind of on the, on the downswing right now, um, uh, especially in the secondary, they do get Timmy Jernigan back, which is big for that, um, you know, that front seven. But uh, they, they certainly have not been as good as of late. And then let's look at some unsung heroes from last night's game. I'm going to start with Josh Reynolds, the wide receiver for the Rams, who has essentially taken over Cooper Cup's role in this offense. Eight targets, six catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. He had only seen 12 targets all season before last night. Look, he assumes a role I just mentioned of Cooper Cup, and he should be involved on a weekly basis. So I think he can be viewed as an upside wide receiver three for right now, and he'll be in a good spot at Detroit following the team's bye in week 13. And then my number two unsung hero, Chris Conley. Look, eight targets, seven catches, 74 yards, and two touchdowns, similar to Josh Reynolds, similar role. He's only had 23 targets coming into the game, into last night's game. He had only caught two touchdowns all season. The last one was in week three. Look, he. It, it, this is where it differs, though, between Reynolds and Conley. Conley has really been there all year. So this is not somebody that I would rush to the waiver wire to go grab right now, especially now that bye weeks are essentially behind us, and the Chiefs are one of the two teams, them and the Rams, that are going to be on bye next week. So it's not somebody that you need to scramble to the waiver wire for. 
I would just let Chris Conley where he's at. This is one of those games where it was so high scoring, and he was one of the guys that been you know that it was a beneficiary of that, especially the fact, and this was big that Sammy Watkins went down so early in the game. Um, and then Gerald Everett for the Rams. Actually, the both the tight ends for the Rams were, were unsung heroes for me in this game. Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. They combined for 11 targets, 9 receptions, um, over 100 yards receiving, and 2 touchdowns. Everett got the 2 touchdowns. Look, he matched season high in snaps, targets, and receptions. He now has 3 touchdowns in the last 2 games. He's a big guy. He's 6'3", 240 pounds. He ran a 4'6", and he's a former second uh, second round pick. So there's some talent there. I think this guy could shape into a nice a nice player. Um, you know, somebody that I wouldn't mind having on my dynasty team, on my dynasty roster as a stash right now to see how he kind of pans out in a very good offense. Um, and honestly, he could be a worth looking into, you know, following the bye week in pre-draft leagues too. Again, in a thin tight end market like we've we've talked about so many times now, the landscape is just so thin, so inconsistent. There are shaky floors all over the place. Gerald Everett might not be a bad pickup. Tyler Higby had the better game, seven targets, six catches, 63 yards. He has 11 receptions for 128 yards and one touchdown over the last three games. He had just six receptions, 64 yards, and one touchdown in the first eight games. This is a guy that they use a little bit more in blocking, um, you know, you know, run plays um, in the line of scrimmage, in line blocking. Tyler Higby's kind of that guy more so than Gerald Everett. Um, so, you know, in terms of snap counts, Everett's only seen about a fourth of what Higby's seen. But I, I still think that Higby's the better uh, flyer at the tight end position. So if you're going to take a flyer on either of these guys, I think Tyler Higby is your guy over, or I'm sorry, I think Gerald Everett is your guy over Tyler Higby for right now. And then another, my last point from this game until we, uh, excuse me, I'll get into my winners and losers after this, but this is the last point. I just called this Super Tyreek. Uh, Tyreek Hill, what more can you say? 14 targets, 10 catches, 215 yards, and two touchdowns. And look, he he burned the secondary for, what, a 75, 78-yard touchdown there early on, or... Uh, I, I can't, actually, you know what? I can't remember now. I don't know if that was early on. That might have actually been in the second half now that I, I think about it. It was either the second or third quarter. Um, and he burned him. And then, uh, you know, 11 touchdowns now for Tyree Kill. He's tied with Antonio Brown for the league lead as in the receiver department. He's second in receiving yards and eighth in receptions. He's the number one receiver in PPR leagues. 19 more points than Adam Thielen to this point. Now, again, uh, we, he has, hasn't had his bye yet. It's going to come next week. So keep that in mind. But still, I, I think he could even hold that lead, you know, coming out of the bye. And he's on pace for 95 receptions, 1,600 yards, and 16 touchdowns. So Tyreek Hill is having a wide receiver one season. If you took him in the third round where he was going, you've been rewarded big time with a top three wide receiver rest of season, maybe the number one receiver overall. And now my winners and losers from Week 11. I'm going to start with my winners. And a guy that I really haven't talked much about on the podcast this year, <clears throat> excuse me, and that's Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott. He's really coming into his own the past couple games. I shouldn't say coming into his own, but I think that team as a whole is starting to realize that they can win a division title in a, in a division in the NFC East that is totally up for grabs. And they're starting to lean on Elliott more and get him even more involved and in the passing game too. 23 carries, 122 yards, a touchdown, 
Eight targets, seven catches, 79 yards, a huge day, 34, 35 fantasy points. 15 targets in his last two games. I just mentioned they're starting to get him more involved. The numbers indicate that. He's averaging 136.5 rushing yards per game and 194 total yards per game over the last two weeks. So it has been a, a quite a run over the past couple games for Ezekiel Elliott. Again, I think this this team is starting to hit their stride in terms of running the football and getting back to what they do really well. He averaged just 85 rushing yards per game and 113 total yards per game over the first eight games. So, you know, you can kind of see the numbers starting to show that this team is uh, maybe turning a corner a little bit and have found some of identity. And, and Amari Cooper could be a big factor in that and just drawing some attention away from that running game. And it's been helping Elliott, at least it seems so to that po- to this point. The schedule coming up, taking a look ahead, Washington at home this week, New Orleans, New Orleans home, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in week 13, Philly in week 14. So three straight home games for uh, uh, the, the Cowboys coming up. <clears throat> and then they go to Indy and Tampa Bay in week 16. So, um, you know, I, I think this this shapes up pretty well. I, I really do. I think this shapes up fine. I, look, I, I know Philly, I mentioned before, I think they're a little bit on the downswing. I don't think New Orleans is a terrible terribly tough team to run against though I do think that defense is um, the opposite of Philly on the upswing if I had to say so and Washington you know they're they're a good defense but look I I think that Elliott's going to be so involved that it's just going to be good situations for him no matter what Um, my number two winner Traquan Smith after putting up a goose egg last week 13 targets 10 receptions 157 yards and one touchdown wow what a game from the rookie. His previous season high was six targets and three receptions. He's seen at least 41 snaps in the last six games. He didn't play more than 26 in the first four. A lot of that was Ted Ginn, you know, being in the lineup now. He's hurt and done for the year. But but this is encouraging stuff for Traquan Smith, and he's currently dealing with a foot injury, so that's something to keep an eye on that popped up on the injury report this week. You know, so keep an eye out for his status since they are playing Thursday night against Atlanta. If he's active, he's a great stream. I like him over a couple of the other rookie wide receivers, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore. But but yeah, Traquan Smith, this uh, this is a situation to really keep your eye on. He's a guy that's really trending straight upwards, and he just looks so, so good in that game against Philadelphia on Sunday. Somebody that I'm certainly keeping my eye on. And uh, look, if, I, if I'm somebody that, you know, even if I if I want to stash somebody, but if I need somebody down the stretch that that is a potential flex play that could be have some serious upside, Traquan Smith uh, is certainly a player to keep your eye on. And then my number three winner of Week Eleven, Stephon Diggs. Stat of the day. Let's start there. Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. They're first and second in targets per game this season. Eleven point five per game for Thielen. Eleven point four for Diggs. That's remarkable. I couldn't believe that they were number one and number two in targets per game. 18 targets against the Bears on Sunday night for Diggs. 13 receptions, 126 yards, and a touchdown. He now has at least 10 targets in seven of nine games. He ranks seventh in the league in targets and only trails Adam Thielen by 12. He played in one less game, so that's why he's seventh. But I mentioned the targets per game. If he would have played a 10-game schedule at this point, he would be right there. And he's currently on pace for, get this, 172 targets, 118 receptions, 1,188 yards, and eight touchdowns in 15 games. That's a 15-game pace. So he's currently the ninth 
wide receiver in fantasy, you know, or ninth in fantasy points per game, I should say. His upcoming schedule, Green Bay, who he torched in week two, 13 targets, nine receptions, 128 yards, and two scores in that overtime game. And then at New England, at Seattle, Miami, at Detroit. So I think this lines up beautifully for a guy that's, regardless of the matchup, he's going to be involved. But this is a great stretch for, I think, the the Vikings passing game. Um, for Thielen, for Diggs, for Cousins. And uh, this is a team that's desperate now because they know what they have to do to get in the playoffs. They have a tough slate ahead of them in terms of you know some, some teams that are fighting for their playoff lives, Green Bay being one of them, Seattle being another one of them. Um, Detroit's out of it at this point in the NFC, but but they got to go to New England. So this is a tough slate in terms of just competition-wise. So I think the, the, the desperation level is going to be there for the Vikings. I think Cousins is going to come out and play well down the stretch, and I think Diggs and Thielen are going to both benefit from that just hugely. Um, so Diggs, Stefan Diggs, is my number three winner of Week 11. All right, let's transition finally to my losers of Week 11 and where else to start but the Eagles offense. And we're going to look at the trio, the big trio in Philly, Carson Wentz, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz. Ugh, ugly, ugly, ugly from this whole team on Sunday at New Orleans in a game where you would have thought there would have at least been some garbage time points to be had for the Eagles offense. I mean, they left Wentz out there for essentially the entire game, um, a combined 7.7 points in PPR leagues. Just an awful effort. And it's one of those games where, look, I don't think you don't need to be worried about Wentz and Ertz in this situation. Um, This is a game where you just throw it out, you throw the game film out, you learn from it. Now, this is a team that's desperate, too. I mean, they're, what, 4-6 and now? So their, their playoff chances are dwindling. Luckily, they play in the NFC East, which... Uh, just about every single year, it seems like an eight and eight or nine and seven team is going to win that division. Um, but but I still think there's talent here. And from a fantasy perspective, look, Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz are going to be just fine moving forward. Um, it's it's it, let's take a look at some of the numbers just to kind of back this up, right? Okay, it's it's Zach Ertz's third time all year with single digit targets. His first time under six targets. Now, if you're looking for a negative, he has been held under 44 receiving yards in three of the past five games, but. This is one of the elite tight ends in the game right now. Maybe the first or you know second best fantasy, uh, you know option at 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 the tight end position in terms of fantasy production. Um, Wentz four point seven yards per, per attempt. Previous low was 57.6 completion percentage. It's his first time under sixty six percent all season. So these were tr- these this was a game where it completely went against the trends for Wentz and Ertz, and I think they're going to be you know just fine moving forward as elite fantasy options. I still think Carson Wentz is a top five quarterback, um, you know, in terms of fantasy production. Um, The one person here that we might want to worry about just a little bit, and I'm not saying panic on him, but Alshon Jeffries had three straight games with four receptions and under 50 yards receiving. He hasn't scored since week seven. He was hot when he came off uh, uh, that injury to start the season off that shoulder um, that surgery that he had, and it's really taken a dip lately. Now, the upcoming schedule, the Giants at home, Washington at home, at Dallas, at L.A., the Rams, that is, and then Houston at home to end the fantasy season. It's not great. It's not ideal, I don't think. Um, I think there are some favorable matchups in there, don't get me wrong. Um, but, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Alshon Jeffrey right now. He's 
he's really kind of shaping up more to be a you know a high end wide receiver three at this point than where I had him originally as a is a pretty strong wide receiver two. Um, maybe low end. I think you could maybe justify low end wide receiver two at this point. But but Alshon Jeffrey, somebody to keep your eye on. I know I'm I'm getting away from him this week uh, against the Giants where I can um, and, and starting some other options there. My number two loser of week eleven, Alex Collins. What a bummer at Cincinnati in a great spot, a great matchup. I made the dumb move of starting him over. Um, uh, oh shoot, I lost my. I lost my train of thought there. Who did I start him over? Philip Lindsay. That's who it was. I started him over Philip Lindsay. I just had a feeling that Alex Collins was maybe going to score two touchdowns in this game, in a game where Lamar Jackson was playing. Maybe they would lean on the run a little bit more. I thought they could control the clock, maybe get some short fields. Ah, it just didn't happen. Seven carries. And, and the problem here was it's not like they didn't run the ball. Uh, Gus Edwards, undrafted free agent, 17 carries for Gus Edwards. So I don't know where this came from, but but nobody was expecting this um, from Alex Collins this week. I don't think he hasn't had more than eleven carries since week eleven or week six. Sorry, eleven carries since week six. He has had only he's had more than twelve carries twice all year. I can't talk tonight for some reason. I'm sorry. Maybe it's because I'm only doing a podcast once a week now. I gotta get back up with the times here and practice a little bit more. Uh, but he hasn't had more than twelve carries, you know, more than two times all season. And as nice as the schedule is for the Ravens down the stretch in terms of running the football, it's really hard to trust him anything more than maybe a flex play at this point. So I'm trying to get away from Alex Collins as much as I can, at least this week, probably the week after that, until something changes, which I don't see anything changing at this point. So Alex Collins, big loser for Week 11. And my number three and my final loser for Week 11, what a dud from Demarius Thomas, one target, zero catches. He hasn't caught a pass in seven quarters. He's a guy who I've been saying all year I think is more of a wide receiver three this season. Now, I mean, can you trust him anything more than a wide receiver four? I, I don't think so. And the more discouraging thing from this game is Kiki Kuti returned from injury and saw nine targets. So we thought that maybe Kuti would take a back seat to Demarius Thomas in this game, at least moving forward. It doesn't look like it's going to be that way. And uh, look, Demarius hasn't had more than five receptions in a game all season. Maybe, just maybe, DT's um, time is being, you know, he's not an elite receiver anymore by any means, but maybe even being, you know, a serviceable receiver, it's, in terms of fantasy at least, is really taking a downswing um, for, you know, for Demarius Thomas. So those are my three losers from Week 11, three winners and the recap of that just wild, awesome, awesome game last night. Uh, probably not going to get around to another podcast this week with Thanksgiving coming up. I'll be traveling tomorrow and returning back to uh, my office here on Sunday. So until then, everybody, enjoy the Thanksgiving games. Enjoy the games this week. Hopefully you're all making a, a push towards the playoffs. If you have any questions, hit us up at Pad the Stats on Twitter. Of course, you can ask us anything, start sits. Um, maybe if you're in, in a league where the trade deadline hasn't hit yet and you have any trade questions that you want to throw our way, certainly hit us up there. And uh, listen to the podcast, subscribe, and download at Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio. Um, I think I covered them all. It's all right, everybody. I'll talk to you later. And, uh, wow, I completely butchered that. But anyway, I'm your host, James Swanson, for Pad the Stats. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.